Well, hey, everybody, and uh, this is a special re-recording due to some technology issues of a message that started our series called Collapse. It's a five-part message series going through the book of Lamentations. Now, Lamentations is a book in the Old Testament, and it is of a very special importance, but it's often misunderstood. It has a misunderstood nature because Lamentations is all about giving voice to the broken, to the hurt, to pain, to suffering, to sin, to challenges, to issues. It's expressing what's wrong and the frustrations of life and with God. It is uh, particularly challenging biblically because it doesn't offer a whole lot of hope or resolution, but it does something very special for the humanity of us all. In fact, more than one field, so like theology says this, but psychology says this as well, have leading voices that suggest if we don't express, if we don't give language to, and ultimately credence and value and voice our laments, it will damage us on a cellular level. So lament unvoiced leads to anger and bitterness that crushes our spirit and physically makes us sick. So during this series, we're going to explore some very complicated issues, and we may not solve them. We may not. That's okay, because just expressing it might be enough. See, our culture doesn't really value expressions of pain and suffering and brokenness or vulnerability. It's it's why the question of how are you is always a cursory fine. No other words, just I'm fine. It's why people fight with their spouses and families on the way to church and put a mask on as they're walking in like everything is perfect. Today, we have the challenge of giving voice to those issues. And so I want to start here. Uh, Lamentations, the book in the Old Testament, is five chapters long. It's poetry, and it gets its name from how the the chapters get started. Um, And it gets translated as the English word, how. How and and that word kind of through a v- series of translations into multiple languages um, gets translated as lament, but the idea expressed in that word of how is how can this be? How could this be happening? How could God let this happen? What is going on? This cannot be happening. See, it's expressing just in the in how this is unbelievable. Filled with negativity and doubt and the anguish of a broken heart. Now, chapters one through four are made out in acrostics, where each stanza um, starts uh, with the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So um, they're probably made that way in order to be easier to memorize. And they're written as a reader's theater type poetry with two voices, the narrator and Jerusalem. And it's more than likely that these were used in worship settings to give language and sentiments for for many of a community that has experienced disaster, be it flood, 
destruction from a storm, ravages of war, death of loved ones, loss of a leader, broken relationships. And so these poems are meant to help communities say honestly how it feels with what they're going through, with how God has dealt with them, with all of the frustrations. Because here's the thing, disparity is old and it's ever new. So these poems, they create a very special place in scripture. They express a desperate people at moments of tragedy. They paint pictures that are challenging for us about our world and equality, about how, how difficult it is, about how frustrating God's role or lack of role in all of this. So it's asking tough questions like, where is God when kids are taken advantage of, when people are sent to war, when trust in a relationship is compromised, when the diagnosis is terminal, when all is lost, what can we do? Well, we can lament. We can voice it. Because undergirding the whole thing is this idea that God is the most moved mover. And while we may even see God behind what has happened, God is more than big enough to hear us out. And for too long, we have shut out anyone and any voice that would call out contradictions, expose sadness and brokenness, that would be honest about how they're really feeling. And that has to stop. That can no longer be the case in the church. So we're going to lament. They're meant to try to put words around experiences that can't really have words. Laments invite us to use words and images in our own moments of pain and confusion because they're, they're, they're trying to express the ways that God has failed us. And our own words and our own people fail us. And that's what we do. We lament. We lament. And they, what lamenting does is it, it, it messes with us. It changes us in the process. So let's jump in with Limitations 1. Uh, it, it, it's probably written as a response to the country of Judah being invaded and their people being taken into slavery. Verse 3 says, Judah has been led away into captivity, oppressed with cruel slavery. She lives among foreign nations and has no place of rest. Her enemies have chased her down, and she has nowhere to turn. Can you imagine your entire way of life, your entire people, your entire family being taken over by another country and taken away as slaves. Think about how deeply rooted this type of tragedy was. Now, there was a popular idea at that time that God punished people who didn't follow the rituals and laws but rewarded those who repented and followed and kept all the rules and said all the right prayers and went to the right mass. Um, and Judah had gone through some seasons where they strayed from faith, where they didn't keep the rituals and laws. 
And I think we all do. I, don't we all go through seasons like that? But Judah had a good king named Josiah, one of the few good kings listed in the Old Testament. And he challenged the people and brought the people back to be obedient to God's law. And yet this tragedy happened just the same. So undergirding the whole idea of how could this have happened is like, wait a second, God, you, you, you didn't make good. We, we did the right thing and we're still facing tragedy. We're still getting punished. Where were you? And so there's this God is to blame for the whole thing that has happened. And yes, we have a role in that. We have a part in that. But really, I mean, really, are we that important? Come on, God. And so with that in mind, if that's the sentiment, the, the reader's theater essentially starts with the narrator describing what has happened. And there's this brief prayer that gets interjected. And then there's a long prayer that's like a personalized prayer from the people that are oppressed from Jerusalem with a brief interruption by the narrator. And so it takes this kind of back and forth poetic approach that moves from like what has happened, like this big corporate expression of these tragedies befell us to a personalized approach. It's in me. It is happening to me. And sometimes that happens to us as a people. Like you look around the country and another shooting happened, right? And, and it's out there. But when it's your kids in your neighborhood, sometimes like all of a sudden that becomes personal. And so we see things happening out in the world, happening to someone else, a, a shooting, a diagnosis, that act of terror, terrorism, that brutality, that injustice, that unfairness, and something that is out there. But then all of a sudden it becomes personalized for us. The things that we had previously had knowledge about become real when we have personal knowledge through our experience. What the Lamentations poem is doing is taking us from a knowledge about to a firsthand experience. And that's the thing. Maybe you haven't uh, experienced disparity the way Israel has the way Judah did. But it's immeasurably old and it's new all at the same time. This week, there are orphaned or isolated kids from their parents being kept in a camp in South Texas with no parental involvement. There are floods that are still happening from hurricanes with major loss of life. There are diagnosis of illness and loss of loved ones, kids being taken advantage of. Addiction is alive and ruining lives. And so we may not have experienced, you know, Judah's tragedy, but we all, we all, we, at some point, we all experience tragedy because our world has sin 
and brokenness in it. And so it's nothing new and it's always new. In my family this year, we've had to deal with an immense amount of tragedy. Just this week, um, I had uh, one of my cousin's spouses shot in the head. My brother-in-law got the flu and went into the hospital and they couldn't break his fever and was metaflighted and put on ECMO and through a long series of events. He was unconscious for nearly two weeks, fighting for his life with all sorts of complications because of the flu. And they called us in saying he wasn't going to make it on several different occasions. Now he lived, he lived, but in the process, the ripple effects and shreds of life that would be um, sent throughout the ripple effects of it, it just mess with my family. So he ultimately lost all of his fingers and both of his legs below the knee. They were amputated because of the complications. And I can remember my sister walking into the hospital room with my unconscious brother-in-law and stretching out over him in prayer literally stretching out on his bed, just holding him and, and, and crying out to God with scriptures written on construction paper and plastered all over the hospital room and, and how raw the prayer was for God to see the plight that my brother-in-law was going through. And... And that's the prayer, isn't it? That's the prayer of lamentations for God to see. Look at verse 9. She defiled herself with immorality and gave no thought to her future. Now she lies in the gutter with no one to lift her out. Lord, see my misery, she cries. The enemy has triumphed. In other words, all is lost. The enemy has plundered her completely, taking away Every precious thing she owns, she has seen foreigners violate her sacred temple, the place the Lord had forbidden them to enter. Her people groan as they search for bread. They have sold their treasures for food to stay alive. It, isn't that the way it works when we're going through tragedy? Just trying to make it. Just trying, they have sold everything they could to stay alive. When we're going through seasons of tragedy and brokenness and despair, uh, I would give anything to change this. I would give anything to go back to the way it was, but that can't happen. So in verse 11 of chapter 1 of Lamentations, O oh Lord, look, she mourns. And see how despised I am. Does it mean nothing to you? All who pass by? Look around and see if there is any suffering like mine, which the Lord brought on me. When, when he erupted into fierce anger, he has sent fire from heaven that burns in my bones. He has placed a trap in my path and turned me back. 
He's left me devastated, racked with sickness all day long. Now, the, the imagery here is rich, right? Fire from heaven that burns in my bones. This is no ordinary bad day. This is no ordinary prayer that will solve it. It's the prayer of see me, see me. And that's the cry. God, see me, see my plight, see our condition, see what is going on. Don't you see? One of the things we always look to do when we're dealing with hurt, pain, suffering, and brokenness is to start to ask the question, who's to blame? This poem gives us some insight. It's possible to blame God and still need God to move on our behalf. Like like a kid, like my kid, um, who blamed me the other day for what was happening. He, he, he fell and he blamed me for what was happening. But he also knew that I was the only person who could remedy his skinned knee. And so I was blamed for the problem, but I was also cried out to to solve it. Who's to blame? Look at the poem, verse 16 of chapter 1. For all these things I weep, tears flow down my cheeks. No one is here to comfort me. And that's true of any tragedy that befalls us, of any desperate situation that we're going through, there's always a sense of isolation. There's always a sense of being alone. No one is here to comfort me. And all who might encourage me are far away. My children have no future. In other words, there's no hope. There's no getting through this. And sometimes our feelings and our emotions and what we're sensing can be that real that there, there is literally no hope and that's what children represented to them. For the enemy has conquered us. Verse 17. Jerusalem reaches out for help, but no one comforts her. Side note. When we are going through uh, desperate times, when we are going through uh, tragedy, when we are going through seasons where no one is stepping up, um, that's where the church, that's where the body of believers, the community has the opportunity to shine. We, we, have, we have a tremendous opportunity to give comfort, to come around side, but only if we give space to lament. Only if we give space for people to be honest, to grieve, and then we get to come alongside. Interestingly enough, that's why when someone loses a loved one, the Jewish people have uh, this group of mourners that come and just sit. They just sit. They're not fixing anything. They're not saying anything. They're just present and available to comfort that, that's what the community gets to do. We get to stand together. We'll continue in verse 17. Regarding his people Israel, the Lord has said, 
Let their enemies, uh, let their neighbors be their enemies. Let them be thrown away like a filthy rag. Verse 18, the Lord is right, Jerusalem said, for I rebelled against him. Do you see how honest this section is? The Lord is right. I rebelled. Yeah, I had a part to play. We have to own our part in any situation. What we did, or in some cases, um, with apathy, maybe did not do. We have to own our part if we're finally able, like if we're going to be able to deal with the grief. Because there are times when it is what the enemy has done, what someone has done to us. And there are other times where we suffer because of what we did. And it's usually a mixture of both. And both need to be expressed. Verse 20, Lord, see my anguish. My heart is broken and my soul despairs. Verse 20, it hits it on the head. See my anguish, my heart is broken, and my soul despairs. The prayer is for God to see, God to see me. And then, by the way, it ends with a note about God seeing all the enemy has done and acting on that which may be of some comfort, like God, God be my vengeance, God be concerned, right? Like God would move on our behalf like that. What I love about this, what I love about this raw prayer in this poem is it's expressing to be alive is to be broken, and to be broken is to, is to stand in need of grace. To be in touch with our neediness. Honesty keeps us in touch with our neediness. And that we are only saved. We are all saved only by grace. Those who suffer matter to God. And should expect God to comfort them. And here's what we need to know. God hears. God is concerned. So here are some major questions and, and some points of engagement. Um, why would God let this happen? Bad things happen to good people. When we ask the question, why would God let this happen? We're voicing our lament. How could this be? Right? Bad things happen to good people. How could this be, God? And no one understands. I'm completely alone. When we go through these situations, we come face to face with our brokenness, and it can feel incredibly isolating that no one understands. No one's there to comfort us. I, I'm alone. And... This could be why the first stage of grief is denial. This, this can't be happening. This isn't real, is it? But when we voice our concern, God, why would you let this happen? We are asking God to see what is going on. And just being seen brings a sense of hope. Just being seen 
be, brings a sense of hope, knowing that we are not alone, that there are others, maybe in similar or maybe exact circumstances, that there are people um, who see us and a God who sees us brings a sense of hope. So when we voice our lament, right, we're going to rob our plight of its power over us. By naming it, we can come to terms with what has happened, and we can trust God to see and begin the healing. And here's why. When we give language to and we express our past brokenness and our current feelings, it renews goodness too. Because see what expressing it does. God, do you see what is going on here? It exposes this gap. There's the way things are and the way things should be. And the reason we have an inkling of the way things should be is because we believe that God has good intentions with us and for us. In other words, when I'm when I'm yelling, God, how could this be? Do you see this? I'm implying that there's a better way that should be the reality. And the only reason why I know that's the way things should be is because God has somehow innately wired into us something beautiful. And sin, whether it's our part or someone else's, and life as a, a set of consequences or naturally happens. And that keeps us from the way things should be. But when we say, God, how could you let this happen? It, we surely express that we are not okay, that things are not right. But it also expresses that God should intervene, that things can and should be better. It's a prayer from uh, the deepest, most cellular parts of us. So what are we going to do? Perhaps this week you've gone through something incredibly difficult. Perhaps there's a past brokenness a hurt, a relationship gone bad, a, a, a family secret. Perhaps there is something that has happened in our world that has affected you. We are going to voice it. We're going to voice it. Whether you voice it of uh, even the, the, the worst possible way of this, God, shouldn't that perpetrator, shouldn't that person get what they deserve? Even in that type of prayer, we're voicing the need for justice. We're going to voice our brokenness. We're going to voice our despair. We're going to claim it. We're going to say we are not okay. The world is not okay. And 
in giving expression to that, we're going to affirm that God is attentive to our issues, to sin, to the evil of others, and that we are called to a different reality. We're going to give voice to all of this. So this week, I don't know what you need to do to write something down, to, to call someone out, to write a poem or a song, to, to, to spend time in prayer, screaming obscenities towards the divine. I, I, whatever you need to do to give voice and expression to this non-violently, voice it. Lament. God is big enough to hear every one of your cries. Voice it. Put it up on the wall. And as you do, that prayer, that naming, that claiming will begin to rob, will begin to take away, will begin to diminish the power of that plight and restore the good presence of God because the God of Scripture, the creator and sustainer of the universe, is one who sees and ultimately, through Jesus the Christ, sees so much that he resets all of reality and invites you and I to be fully restored with our humanity. So lament and much love, my friends.